You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to episode 195 of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And today we're going to have some more fun exploring the story of the suit. And I'm talking specifically about the suit that men wear, or suits, business suits specifically. Clothing tells a powerful story. Most of us don't really give it much thought. We kind of get used to what's in fashion. We either wear it or we just know about it and don't wear it. But we very rarely think about the kinds of influences that different articles of clothing can have on our perception of people, on our own behavior in relation to those people. And when you change your clothing, how your behavior can not only be affected, but profoundly changed. I'm going to go very, very quickly, kind of superficially over the history of the man's suit in um, in our society. I'm, we're in North America right now. Um, this fashion, this article of these articles of clothing, got their start in uh, in England. Let's go to a period called the Regency, early nineteenth century. There was a British gentleman. He was known as a dandy, and a dandy is someone who gives a tremendous amount, maybe an excessive amount of attention to style and fashion. His name was Beau Brummel, and he adopted and popularized a style that became um, the given style for the British court. And what did that look like? Well, he began wearing well-cut, tailored clothes, and they were adorned with carefully knotted neckties. Brummel would wear um, anything he wore became fashionable. He just became the icon for fashion during that time. And, of course, the story that that fashion told was, you're in the in, you're in the know, you are an influencer. Let's jump to the Victorian era, mid-19th century, and an article called The Casual Morning Coat came in. It was, it had an opening um, in the, it was a rather long coat, and it had an opening in it in the front, and it was worn by 
you know, gentlemen, people of taste. And as the name suggests, it was worn mostly in the morning. Now, in the late 19th century, the informal lounge suit came into um, prominence. And that was a suit that was worn for sports. It was worn in the country. It was worn uh, if you were at the seaside. But it wasn't considered formal enough to be part of city wear. And at that time also, we see the emergence of the dinner jacket. In the evening, if you were a gentleman, if you were an influencer, you would wear a dinner jacket. Once again, how does this relate to story? Story in the sense that an image is projected to the world and the world admires it. The world, you know, uh, looks up to it. The world defers to it. And the masses will often give power to people who communicate that image or that story. The Edwardian period, early 20th century, the morning coat went from informal to formal and eventually was embraced by businessmen as standard dress even when they were in town. Remember I said it was for country and seaside and for sports. Now it's moving up in the world. After World War One, the short lounge, uh, the lounge-coated suit. And in the 1920s, short suits, except on formal occasions in daytime. And then the North American dinner jacket came into its own. It really became uh, a defining article of clothing around the 1920s. Remember, that the story around this is that you're not really anybody if you don't uh, adhere to this fashion. I mean, think of even, there are some restaurants even today where a certain dress code is required, and if you show up and you don't have the jacket that they require, they could say, you can't come in here and eat. And that is... An interesting um, creation, a false creation of class, influence, and distinction. After the Second World War, we see the emergence of a very famous suit, the gray flannel suit. A man named Sloan Sloan Watson wrote a novel called The Man in the gray flannel suit. It was made into a famous Hollywood movie. And at that time, the story of the flannel suit was not a positive one. Around 1955, denim jeans became the rebellious statement against formal suits. And it was around 1955 that the man in the gray flannel suit was a film. And 
what it was is a symbol of drab, middle-class conformity. That's not something that you would want to be associated with. It's not a story that you would feel good about communicating, of course, unless you were one of those people who felt, well, that's who I am. If they want to call me stuffy, they can. Now, this continued to right into our contemporary time. In fact, fashion will always make a statement and tell a story. Think about in the mid and late 20th century about how we identified respectability, authority, and even education and intelligence with suits. Banks, you know, if you were a banker, you wore a suit. It was not that many decades ago when the banks introduced casual Fridays, when people didn't have to look as formal. Why did you have to look formal? Well, because that image communicated seriousness, trust, responsibility. Think about those values and the stories that we can weave around those values. And of course, as we became more cynical and we began to make discoveries about those quote-unquote respectable people in suits who were committing crimes, white-collar crimes, who were embezzling, who were corrupt government officials, who were people who cheated other people out of money. Well, the suit wasn't viewed by everyone with the same kind of respect and authority. But here's an interesting irony. Even with all of the smears that the so-called respectable people in suits have they've they've gained and they've worn those smears in the world the suit still can make us feel a sense of respect a sense of authority a sense of trust you may say to yourself no i'm not that easily fooled we can all be fooled think of how they portray suits on television, in movies. Now, all of this being said, let me add, I happen to love great clothing. I like designer suits, but I am very aware of the images that and the stories that these articles of clothing communicate. And... At the same time that I could wear a beautiful Armani suit, I won't necessarily put my trust in someone just because they have a title and a suit that accompanies that title. Now let's continue into the late 20th century and the beginning of the 21st. We're seeing a major shift 
in society on every level. Values are changing. The forms of employment are changing. The economy is changing. Our physical environments are changing. Digital technology is ushering in a new breed of person. The entrepreneur is has had the spotlight for quite a while now, and I believe will continue to rise as a figure to be admired and modeled. Entrepreneurs by nature are individualistic. Entrepreneurs don't have to adhere to any code of dress. We're watching the slow but sure, maybe it's not that slow, collapse of corporate structures. The corporate world that we used to consider the place for a respectable person to have great employment, we're seeing massive layoffs, we're seeing downsizing in organizations, we're seeing companies close completely, and people go one day from a respectable position to no position at all, literally being stripped of their suit. As this continues, we see new icons that are have become influencers. I'm going to talk about one, Gary V. Most of you will know who I'm talking about. If not, his full name is Gary Vaynerchuk. He came onto the scene with a book called Crush It. He's written several really important books since then. He's a master of social media, a master of marketing, and a very uh, fascinating and outside-of-the-box entrepreneur. Now, 20 years ago, a guy who looked and sounded and dressed like Gary V would be laughed at. He might even be considered an outcast. The guy has no sense of, he has no, let's put it this way, he has no sense of what is considered being well-dressed. He doesn't care. He'll wear jeans, he'll wear t-shirts, and he has a powerful influence. He's also a a multi-millionaire. He's a thought leader. His voice is not a great speaking voice. It's actually a small, I would say almost a tiny voice, and it seems a bit pinched and tight. So he doesn't have what people would consider, you know, a resonant announcer's voice that at one time was the voice that we always associated with authority, respect, and trust. Not only that, Gary Vaynerchuk is an unfiltered guy when he speaks. It even makes him more attractive because it's a mark of his authenticity. What do I mean by unfiltered? He drops F-bombs all over the place. He even goes into schools, and the students love him. He says this, says this because he curses, and it puts them, puts him on 
a level with them and they feel they can identify he has rapport. Does he have important things to say? You bet he does. He understands society, understands money, and he understands influence and the power of story. I want you to think about where do you stand in terms of how you view different articles of clothing? It may sound like a silly question because maybe you never really gave it much thought before. But do you tend to put more credence, give more trust to an individual who is quote-unquote well-dressed, fits a man who wears a really well-tailored suit, than you would to a guy who looks like Gary Vaynerchuk but doesn't have a big name? Do you? And if you do, why are you doing that? It's because you have bought into a story, to a narrative that you're projecting onto a person. And in this day and age, especially the way social media is being manipulated to create false images, we've really got to be careful about where, what stories we accept. I don't know if all of you are aware of this, but because social media is creating celebrities, Facebook celebrities who have a huge following, Instagram celebrities, Twitter celebrities, etc. There are people, even a lot of millennials are doing this, who will go out and rent a Lamborghini for one day. They're broke, but they'll scrape up the bucks to rent a Lamborghini to do videos and selfies with that car. So they can post on social media and pretend that they're part of the in crowd. Recently, that phenomenon was exploited by a couple of promoters who basically took six figures worth of money away from thousands of gullible individuals by doing a social media campaign to promote a concert that never really happened. You can look that up. Personally, I forgot the name of the concert, the event. But if you use good Google search terms, you'll, you'll find it. And it had all to do with buying into a story about, ah, I look at these people. They're the beautiful people. They're the ones who have the fashion items that I identify with respect, authority, in the know, hip, etc., etc. So I'm going to trust them. I'm going to spend a lot of money. I'm going to buy a plane ticket. I'm going to fly to an exotic island for a concert that never, excuse me, for a concert that never happened. Suits, dresses, costumes, wardrobe of all kinds tell stories that have power. Their stories are powerful because they are happening or being told at an unconscious level. It's almost like hypnosis. 
they're sending suggestive images into our into our minds. And if we're not on guard, we buy into some stories that lead us down a path that is not very good for us. Let's talk about doctors' costumes, doctors' garb. If an actor wears the white coat, a doctor's white coat in a commercial about a medicine, it immediately has a tremendous amount of greater credibility because we give power to that. What's really scary is, and I'm finding out a lot about that right now in the real world, is that too many individuals have given almost all of their power to doctors. They believe in them. The doctor's word comes first. If the doctor said, says, you need surgery? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Even when that surgery may not be necessary and could even be harmful. I know of an individual, a brother of a person very close to me, who recently died because of mistakes that doctors made and this person had just given his faith to everything that these doctors said. Was anything done about it? No. Business goes on as usual. If you want to explore and really get a sense of how powerful a story clothing can tell, go shopping. You don't have to even buy anything. Go to a store and try on really incredibly expensive articles of clothing that you are beyond your budget. Put them on, look, walk around in them and look at yourself in the mirror, and but check into how your feelings change, because they will. If you don't think they do, you're not really sensitive to your own feelings. As an actor... I'm really conscious of this because costumes can influence your feelings about your character, can even help you step into a character. There was a famous actress and acting teacher, Uta Hagen. She used to teach in New York. She wrote a wonderful book years ago called Respect for Acting. And she played a famous role in a Tennessee Williams play called, um, the play was called Streetcar Named Desire, but, and she played the character of Blanche. It's an iconic character in 20th century American drama. Now Blanche, Blanche Dubois, is a woman with all sorts of elegant airs, pretenses. She wants to be seen as the delicate, classy lady. She's actually extremely fragile. She can break like a glass figurine. Blanche Dubois. And I remember Uta saying that she refused to come to rehearsals for that character wearing slacks, definitely not wearing jeans, because only when she wore a skirt, a blouse, a dress, did she start to really feel that femininity that was 
part of Blanche Dubois. I directed a play with a woman in Montreal who was a wonderful actress, and she was known in the acting community as a bit of a diva. People actually didn't like her all that much, even though they knew she was a good actress. She came from money, she wore fur coats, etc. And I cast her in the role of a young woman who was extremely masculine. And I told this woman, I said, Ellen, when you come to rehearsals, stop bringing your fur coat, please, and start dressing down and get into the feeling of walking, talking, and dressing like a guy. And to her credit, she did it. And she blew people away with her performance. In fact, when the reviewers came to review this show, she was one of the performers that they singled out as giving a memorable performance. Here's one more story, a very powerful one. This was something that I witnessed firsthand and I will never forget. I was at a a seminar and uh, it was, I think, a two or three day seminar. Um, I had traveled away from home for it. And one of the um, exercises or events within this event was a makeover. And that is something that never really interested me. I would never watch makeover shows on TV. You see, I had a story in my head about them. I thought I was above them, that, you know, they were kind of superficial, you know, they were more about glamour and glitz. But I was at the event and I was going to experience a a makeover of about four different individuals. They chose men and women. One of the men before his makeover was a guy who didn't, his body language wasn't very confident. He was sloppily dressed. He had long hair. I think he had a beard too. And he just, you know, kind of blended into the crowd and didn't make a mark of any kind. And they took these individuals away and they were away for, I don't know, at least an hour or two and they brought them back out. This guy stood out among all, they all looked amazingly different, but he blew us absolutely away. They had cut his hair. They had shaved him. They had dressed him in a suit that really was appropriate for his body and his type. And the incredible thing was to watch how his body language transformed. The guy suddenly stood on stage, and now he had presence. Before, he disappeared. Now, he stood and radiated confidence. And when he opened his mouth, you could hear that confidence and authority in his voice. That physical, external transformation had penetrated 
and had changed him internally. Costumes, clothing, they tell stories. And if you don't think that the clothes that you take for granted every single day, you just don't even think about them, you just throw them on, are telling a story, I got news for you. They are. Play around with this. See what revelations you have. Please, by all means, share them with us. Share them with me. Send me the um, your aha moments to loseclub at gmail.com. L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. And as you begin to transform and maybe even think about expanding the stories that you tell with clothes, you're going to come up against inner resistance. All change meets resistance. It's just how we're hardwired. But begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.